Hello? Hello? It's all around us. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome back. First off, I want to apologize for how long it took me to get this episode out. I was on a trip and I tried to do some editing down there, but I just wasn't able to because I was too busy. And then when I got back, I had a family emergency take place. Nothing super serious, so nobody flip out or panic. Then you've got work and life in the day and age of COVID. So I just, you know, wherever I could, I sat down and nicked away at this episode for the editing and tried to get it going. This week, we have returning friend of the show, Ben Radford. I've known Ben for going on 10, 11 years now or something like that. He's been on the show several times. It's been a few years since he's been on here. The last time he was on here was his book about bad clowns. Ben writes for Skeptical Inquirer magazine. He is the token skeptic guy that you see on all of the History Channel, Discovery Channel, all of the woo-woo paranormal shows. He's the guy that they call in. Uh, He's been on Josh Gates' show. You've probably seen this guy before if you don't know who he is. I've known him for a while. He's a really good friend, and one of the reasons he likes to come on the show is because he can come on here and let his hair down. Yes, I know he's bald, but he doesn't have to be the straight man on the show. He can come on here, he can cuss, he can swear, he can have a good laugh, he can say some pretty humorous things. And also this week, I have friend Eric Wojciechowski on the show. Eric and Ben work together, but they've never actually really interacted before, so this is the first time these two have ever gotten together. Eric writes articles for Skeptical Inquirer magazine, I believe that's the magazine, and Ben is the editor, so Ben approves um, all of Eric's articles. So those two know each other as well. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have Ben on here to talk about his new book, which is primarily a collection of articles that he's written for magazines. And it also is about his interactions with people that have sent him emails or correspondence about really strange things. This is where we spend a lot of time. This gets pretty funny. Leading to that, if you are a hardcore skeptic or a hardcore paranormalist, this show may probably piss you off. And it's because um, we approach all of this in a very blasé, let's laugh and have a good time and have a couple of beers and just talk about this kind of thing. It is in no way meant to be disrespectful or um, facetious or anything like that. We're just having a good time. So if you're listening to it, um, I need to let everybody know up front that I was really whacked out on caffeine. Um, Um, I drank this coffee called Death Wish. It is the highest caffeine coffee you can get. And I drank some of it before we went on the air because I was really tired. And I really wanted to be on point for the show as best as I could. So what results is when Rojan gets on a lot of caffeine, Rojan turns into a rambling madman at certain points. Not sarcastically, not bad. It's just if you know me, you know that I go off on these funny little rants at times. And I do that on this show. And we all have a good laugh about it. There is, again, no disrespect intended. Um, So, you know, just 
take it with a grain of salt, and I apologize if I get a little bit annoying. But um, we discuss in here some of emails that Ben's got. We discuss uh, the aftermath of the clown apocalypse from the second one after he released his book. Um, we just kind of go all over the map. We have a good time. We have a good conversation. It was a lot of fun, and it was really good to get these two guys together and just sit and laugh about a lot of this stuff. If people know me, and if you know me really well, you know that I am somebody who runs right dead center down the middle of this whole skeptical paranormal thing. I have had a lot of crazy experiences that I can't understand or explain, uh, which I'm fine with. I'm not somebody who obsesses about that. But when somebody comes up and they tell me some kind of a paranormal experience, my first immediate reaction is to try to sit down and figure out, well, what actually happened here? Let's go through this. Was it this? Was it that? Was it blah, blah, blah? People interpret that as me telling them something that, and I don't believe them. It's not that I don't believe them. It's that I want to find, I want to find the real paranormal things that genuinely cannot be explained. So I try to explain things away as rationally and as, I guess, scientifically as I possibly can until it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this can no longer be explained away. And then it goes into that category. And when things go into that category, that's where I get really excited. And that's why I do this stuff, because I do believe that there is something to all of this stuff. I just don't believe everything that's tossed at me. So that is the that is my dog in the fight, and that is where I'm coming from when I talk to a skeptic or someone who's a hardcore paranormalist. I am somebody that legitimately is right down the middle, and as a result, I tend to piece people off really, really bad about this stuff. So, you know, just uh, take all that with a grain of salt. Um, that's pretty much it. We're going to jump into the interview or the discussion or whatever the hell it is. I hope you guys enjoy it. I will see you at the other side. So with me tonight, I have returning guests. Well, both of you, actually, it's just funny because you guys actually kind of sort of work together. I got Eric Wojciechowski here to co-host with me. And the main guest is a good friend of mine, Mr. Ben Radford, returning after several years now. Um, and you've done a lot of stuff. So I know your resume has changed and I'm not going to try. Well, give us an updated resume of who you are, what you've been doing. You know, tell, tell us Because you're on television shows now. You're... You're all over the place, but I know you're not doing the same stuff that you were doing before, I don't think. So how you been? What's going on? And what the hell are you doing these days? Yeah, yeah well, thanks for having me back on. It's always great to talk to you. Uh, yeah, I think last time we chatted, um, my book, Bad Clowns, had just come out. Um, and uh, we can talk some about that later. But yeah, so I've been been doing that. Uh, I'm still working for Skeptical Inquirer Science Magazine. Uh, I do have a, a relatively new podcast uh, called Squaring the Strange, and we actually just celebrated our fourth anniversary, so that's kind of cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so doing that, and uh, I have a, a new book out, uh, which is sort of a collection of 70 of my uh, Skeptical Inquirer Science Magazine columns uh, in which people write in and ask me questions. And if, it, if they're interesting and fruitful enough, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's what I'm doing these days. That's where we're going to start, actually, because I, I am a follower of you on Facebook and, you know, I've been keeping track of your God. I don't know how many years I've I, I've known you now. It's probably I think we're probably going on 10 years and it's you good, always yeah. post these amazing little snippets of people that write you with the oddest things like 
Like, I, I mean, somebody will write you about, like, I think I was abducted by aliens, blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I'm going, why is this person contacting Ben Radford about supposedly being abducted by aliens? Because you are not, I mean, if something like this were to happen to me, no offense to you, because I know what you do in your job. You are not the person that I would contact if I said, hey, I was abducted and anally probed. What do I do here? You know, you're going to be like, um, it's kind of like. It's kind of like when somebody friends you on Facebook and they've got biblical quotes quotes in their in their status and you're like, "Sir, are you lost?" You know, it's kind of one of those things. Right. <laughs> so, I'd be like, "So this this anal probing, which rest stop did it happen at?" Yeah, you know, it's, or or people will just send you the strangest stuff and I'm sitting there scratching my head going, "Why are they sending this to Ben? They're surely in a world full of paranormal nut jobbery." Um, there's got to be better people that would be more accommodating for the type of question and situation that you're asking about. Yes. Well, it, you know, it's possible that the reason that they are contacting him is because they're like, if I can get him to believe, then everybody can believe. Like, I have the real story and here it is. Actually, you know, you're, so you're both right. It's actually it's actually interesting. It's it's a it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, there there's two answers. the The main answer is that for many years I was a columnist for Discovery News and LiveScience.com. Um, I'm, I haven't done it for several years, but uh, I wrote for, for I don't know five or six years or something. So I was cranking these out all the time, and my columns for for Life Science and Discovery were. They they weren't called you know the skeptic debunks. It was hey here's a science based look at X you know fairies or UFOs or crop circles or whatever it was, and um, the the so one result of that mm-hmm. is that even though it was you know science based critical thinking skeptical content because you know, it's it's for you know live science and discovery news i mean they had to have some stuff on there but because it was it was, it was framed fairly neutrally uh, i'm sure that the the hardcore believers <laughs> would disagree with that and to this day i still get cranky emails responding to something that i wrote 7 years ago that they're outraged about and they want to let me know about but but anyway so but that's part of the answer is that uh a lot of articles and columns that i wrote many years ago um are uh they're they're fairly neutral they're they're obviously investigative and and skeptical um but they're not necessarily debunking and as 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 you guys know that's sort of one of the things i do is i try to bring open-mindedness and diplomacy to my investigations and so because of that yeah you're the devil trying to convince people you don't exist yes yeah, so <laughs> i would have gone right to that but thank you um but yeah so but as a result uh so i have people you know contact me on a regular basis about uh again i all the time i get emails saying hey i read your article on you know discovery news about twin telepathy or about crop circles or whatever else and again I, I i know what they're talking about but i wrote that you know seven years ago uh and they're like yeah i want you know either either the response is um well you know you don't know what you're talking about you know here's my experience or sometimes it's like you're clearly an expert on this. Um, you know, can you help me with something? Right? Can you? Um, and in fact, in in, in my book, uh, in in Big If True, I, I I have give several examples of that. One of them was a woman that believed that she was cursed, um, and one of the reasons she contacted me was because she had read an article I wrote about curses, and she managed to track me down. And and so it's not necessary that people. Uh, recognize that I am, you know, a, a prominent skeptic or something. It's just that, hey, here's a guy that wrote for Discovery News, and it seems credible, and you know, he's not a total nut job, obviously. And so let me let me contact him. 
So do you get more traffic from Discovery News or Skeptical Inquirer or other? Um, Clearly, it's his Christian Mingle profile. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> no, it's um, uh, I'm somewhat embarrassed to tell you that I don't really know. Um, you know, unless some, I, I do have a website, BenjaminRadford.com. Obviously, I spend very little time uh, looking at the the metrics and things like that. I mean, I just, I could, I just, it's just not a. Not something I really spend my time doing, so I don't really know unless, unless, like I say, someone you know prefaces their comment to me with, you know, I read the article you wrote on X, Y, and Z. Um, I would say that pr- it's probably like fifty-fifty, um, maybe sixty-forty on in terms of the the, the non obviously skeptical commentary, um, and then just just to, to answer the other question, um, you know, I do uh, occasionally I do have people contact me because they do know that I am investigative skeptic, and you know I've written these books and other investigations and part of they want to present their best case. Right. And uh, I've done best case for psychic detectives and and I did a whole thing with Alex Akaris of Skeptico podcast. And that's, that's a whole other thing. But so on occasion I do get sort of challenged. Okay. Mr. Skeptic. What about this? Yeah. But uh, see, okay. I get it. I'm not, I'm not the average guy. I'm not the average person in this, this field or realm like I'm not I've got better things to do than to try to harass uh, to to play the okay how about this card. You know, it's like I I already I already know right. where the direction's going to go, so you know, moving on. But you bring up the the curses right. thing and you've talked about the psychology of curses before. So this is something that I have never really talked about with anybody before this idea of the psychology of curses, how they affect people, um what they do. So let's go into that a little bit. Sure. Um, and I have to tell you that that in my professional career as a skeptic, whatever whatever that sort of means, in, in, I'm not even sure what it means really, but in, in, in my uh, nearly 20-some years of doing this, you know, some of the most difficult um, emails and contacts and calls I get from people are uh, those where the person is clearly troubled, right? They're not, they're not trolling me. They're not pranking. They're not being mean to, you know, to, because they're upset that I, I disproved or debunked. They're contacting me because they're genuinely frightened. Um, sometimes it's because of ghosts. Sometimes it's because of a curse and things like that. And some of the, they're, they're, those are really hard for me to deal with because on one hand, I, I mean, I have a degree in psychology, but I'm not, I'm not a practicing, practicing psychologist. I, I don't – it's not my – you know, I, 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 can't, I can't offer – you know, psychological help to everybody, just random people contacting me because they're, 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 you know. Yeah, but you understand the dynamics of how it works and how it affects thought and and behavior. Yeah, Yeah, and so so that's why they're always, so I'm always like, you know, I, I don't want to just ignore them, but on the other hand, I can't. I can't go down that rabbit hole of you know, so establishing things. So, so anyway, I, with each person, I try and answer their question as diplomatically and and, and critical thinking wise as I can, bringing again uh, investigation and psychology and things like that. And so, uh, my, my book starts out with the an email that I got from a woman named Chelsea. 
Um, and I won't go into the whole thing. I, I think you, you've you've read and have some idea of what happened. Basically, the, the she uh, she she contacted me, believing that she had a curse placed on her. Um, and I, I'll just read a, a quick bit of it. She says, uh, "My name is Chelsea. I have a curse that was cast on me, my son, and my boyfriend. Would you know anyone that can help us with the situation?" It's only getting worse as the days go by. It's frustrating, very stressful, and affecting our lives in major ways. Um, and then she goes on to say that she has uh, contacted several psychics and asked them to try and remove the curse. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a red flag. Uh, and so, so basically she was, again, she was, you know, sincerely contacting me, um, just saying, you know, asking for help. And so... So what I did in this particular case, and this 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 case was actually I think maybe four or five years ago. Um, and so what I did was I replied to her, and uh, so in the, in the chapter as as in the my skeptical inquiry column that it's based upon, I, I I gave my response to her and then I annotated it. So I said you know I said you know dear Chelsea I'm sorry about your troubles and I you know went through. Um, sort of, you know, my response to her, but then um, I annotated it by telling the readers why I answered in that way. And so, for example, I was very careful not to directly uh, confront her belief in curses because I realized that she's coming to me as an expert. I mean, there's out of all the people she could have contacted, she she thinks that I can help her. And if I if my response to her is Chelsea, you're crazy. Curses don't exist. <laughs> That's not going to help her. That's not that's not going to improve her situation. That's, that's not going to it's it's counterproductive. It's it's disrespectful and, and harmful. And so I needed to find a way to steer her towards skepticism, steer her towards uh, helping the situation. And so, for example, I pointed out, I said, uh, so I said, you know, I said, stop going to psychics. I said, I know that you believe in psychics because obviously she's she's gone to several of them. But I said, they haven't helped, right? And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm addressing her. I'm, I'm pointing out to her what she just told me, which is that you've gone to these psychics. They've made the problem worse. So e e even if we agree that psychics are real and, and the psychic power exists, which I don't, but even if we agree on that, we can both agree that it's not helping. So, so stop doing that. And then, for example, I, I get into psychology and I say, okay, well – Please understand that I, I know you believe that you're, you're, you're cursed, and I sort of go into the, the psychological ways in which people can come to basically have curses be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So people will start looking for bad things that happen to them um, and sort of attributing any bad thing, you know, a stub toe, a car accident, uh, you know, take your pick to curses. And so basically I try to give her the psychological tools to get her out of the situation as best I could. So – like, did did you get a follow up from her or anything like that after you after you told her about this? That she, was she able to alleviate her problem in some way or anything like that, or just did it just kind of fade off into the ether? Um, the, hers is actually one of the few cases where I actually did get a response. Uh, usually, uh, when I reply to people, either they're pissed off because that you know they it's more skeptical or science based or critical thinking based than they wanted. Or whatever else. In this case, I actually did get a reply. Um, in fact, I, I have a, I, it's in the last section. It says, uh, hi, Mr. Adford. Thank you so much for that advice. Maybe that is what I needed, and you're absolutely right. I will definitely work on that and get back to you with an update. Best advice I've gotten. I feel better already. Thanks again. Best regards, Chelsea. Mm. So, I, I, you know, it's I, so I 
I take some pride in that. Um, not, uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I, I don't know everything, but uh, it was a case of where I could have easily just ignored her or said, you know, so, curses are, are real. What are you crazy? But I just, I wanted to sort of, I wanted to give a, put a positive spin on skeptical investigations and bringing psychology to things. And in some cases, undo the damage that's been done. Uh, and sometimes the damage is done by, by psychics who will say, oh, I think you're cursed. You know, give me some money and I'll remove the curse. Sometimes the damage is done by ghost hunters. Um, uh, and Ro, you and I have talked about yeah. I mean, oh, God, that's and, another and, one. And, like and, that and again, I, I won't go into it right now, but I mean, I've, I've, I've had to clean up the mess, the psychological mess and terror and, and people who are genuinely frightened um, because they believe that there's something in their house, something demonic, something evil, something having to do with the ghost. And I'll ask them, yeah, why do you think that? I said, I'm, I'm not saying you're I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, help me understand why you think that there's something evil in your house. And and a lot of the time, the answer is. Well, I saw it on TV. It's very similar cool. to something I saw on Ghost Hunters. And that's one of the things that really gets me mm-hmm. uh, upset about the, the, these ghost hunting TV shows is that they're stars. You know, they're doing the reality shows and they make their money and this and that and the other. And they, they don't have to deal with the, 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 the people that, that are generally frightened in many cases because of the bullshit they put out there. And I and other skeptics have to go in there and try to calm these people's fears and help them out. Yeah, and also the piggyback on that, if we're just completely dismissive, we're, we're ignoring the fact that there is a genuine mystery here. Why does she feel cursed? Right. You know, why why does somebody think their house is haunted? Maybe there's something causing that haunting and there's a mystery. You know, did somebody see something? Uh, was there a noise? You're feeling cursed. How so? Like, what is the changes in your psychologically? Are you feeling bad? Like, there's a genuine mystery here that you can help. Um, and, and just being dismissive, of course, like you said, that's that's just helping the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that's and that, again, that's, that's why in my approach, I try to be respectful of people. I mean, if someone tells me that they saw a ghost or they saw a Bigfoot or whatever else or they're psychic, um, I, I take them at face value. I, I in, mo- in my experience, most people who, who tell me of their strange experience, they're sincere. They're genuine. They're not lying. They're not mm-hmm. hoaxing. They're not, they're not they're not trolling me. They genuinely had some experience they can't explain. Um, and, and so that, that's where I take the mystery is, okay, well, you had some experience. Uh, I, I, I'm again, we, you know, I, I've seen hoaxers, I've seen liars, but most people, they're, they're sincere people. They just had some weird mm-hmm. experience. And so I try and say, okay, well, I understand that you've latched onto this label. You know, I understand that you've, you've placed, you know, I saw a, you know, it was in the sky. So it was a UFO or it was in the woods. It was a Bigfoot or whatever else. Um, and so I'll say, I understand that you've, you've sort of attached a label, uh, a convenient sort of paranormal label to your experience, but I'll try to say, okay, well, let's look at the experience or are there other alternative explanations that might fit the same experience? Right. We have a mystery that actually needs to be solved. If someone says that, for instance, where I live, there's some wooded area and so forth. If they said, hey, I saw a Bigfoot in that park, I'm going to be like, well, what exactly was that? Like you're either it's either a complete hoax or you saw something. And it's certainly worth investigating to find out. Like it's just almost in in a nature to solve this mystery. It's like the Scooby-Doo in all of us, I suppose. Absolutely. You know, I've gotten messages very similar to these. Um, 
over the years for me doing the show and stuff. And it's, it's not a big secret anymore that I do a lot of studying of magical practice and stuff. I'm interested in the folklore and the traditions and things like that. And every once in a while, I'll get somebody that'll have something like that. I have this going on in my life. I think I've been hexed. I think I've been cursed. I think someone has put something on me. And in my experiences with this stuff, a lot of these people that are in the communities that I dabble in and talk to people in and stuff like that, if somebody were to go into one of those groups and say, hey, I think I have this going on. I think I've been cursed. I think I've been hexed or something like that. Most of the people in those communities, a vast overwhelming amount of those people will say, okay, well, if this is the case, then you should do this, this, and this. And there's never, I've never ran into in a, a situation where, well, I will do this if you pay me this amount of money or something like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even in those communities, when somebody comes along and says, yeah, I'll do this for you, but it's going to cost you like $2,000 and I will come to your house and do this. Even mm-hmm. in those communities nowadays, a lot of people are like, no, 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 stay away from that. Don't go near that. Um, right. Do this, that, do X, yeah. Y, and Z. Now, regardless if I believe and that's going to work or not, if the person believes that this is going to help get rid of their curse, their curse or their problem or something like that, and it's not doing any harm, okay, you know, because if the curse isn't legitimately a curse and if what they're applying to it isn't a legitimate thing, then the two, for lack of a better term, cancel each other out. And as long as the person walks away feeling, okay, well, this was going on, this was bad, and these people told me to do this and spread the salt here and do this or whatever, or sage the house or whatever, and it's like, well, did the problem go away? Well, it seems to have gone away. Okay, fine, we'll let that be. No harm, no foul. Nobody was flocked, no fleeced for money or anything like that. Um, But it's the situations where somebody shows up. I think in the last episode I did, um, we do a show on here every great once in a while called Biblical Jackass, which is um, weird news articles and things where people have done things in the name of religions and things like that. And there was an article in there from Sci-Fi Wear where a woman had hired somebody to get a demon out of her daughter and ended up costing like $70,000 and they were going to transfer the demon into a Barbie doll or something like that. And one of my co-hosts was like, they've literally made movies, horror movies, about why this is such a bad idea. But um, And then the woman eventually contacted the authorities, and it never I don't remember if it said what happened or not at this point. But those mm-hmm. the, when those situations pop up, like, okay, this is definitely a red flag here. Because if you legitimately believe in magic and you legitimately believe in these kinds of things, there are all kinds of people out there that will help you in whatever way they can for free of charge, non-harmful. Like they won't even come to your house. This is what I advise you to do. Even in religious right. fields, there are people out there who will be like, okay, well, you know, try try this or try that and see if that helps. Well, you, even the Vatican has, like if I could have one job, I would like to work for the Miracle Verification Unit at the Vatican. I believe it's only one what? priest and his jobs. Yeah, the Miracle Verification Unit. Uh, I, I heard about this. The MVU, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one guy, one priest, and uh, his job is to fly around the world and try to verify miracles for the Vatican. Oh, my God, you've got a book right there. I can't believe you haven't written a book, a fictional book based on something like this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Maybe. (laughs) Get on. But anyways, it's on the go ahead, you were saying I was yeah, saying, you were saying this oh, biblical verification. Oh, you were saying something. Yes, he was. Oh, I, no, I, was I was talking about e- e- even the Vatican has a miracle verification unit like they don't. It, just because somebody says Jesus appeared on toast or Jesus talked to me or a stigmata or something like that, you know, even they're like, OK, more than likely it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, they got some guy out there that's flying around, fix, you know, looking into this stuff. I don't even know if they charge, though. I wouldn't even know how to contact them for something like is this. Is this like it's interesting the Pope in black? I, was say, I mean, 
they go ahead. Is, it, is this like the Pope in black where a guy shows up and like wearing a black Pope outfit <laughs> Pope and he's got black. a scepter that you look into and you click, he clicks a button and the scepter lights up and your memory's wiped or whatever. You know, they pull up in like a, a black Pope mobile or something. God, I'm sorry. I'm running really far away with this, but it's just. There, there was a there was a television show in 2003, I believe. It was called Miracles. It lasted all of about four episodes, um, and it starred – I can't remember. It's the guy who looks like Johnny Depp. Um, but at any rate, it was about um, a genuine miracle that the verification unit stumbled upon. I mean it's, it's fiction, but if you're interested in something like that, pick it up on DVD. It's only like 13 episodes or something like that, only four of which that aired. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, you were saying before I so really cut you off and you've probably forgot by now. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I was just following up on what Eric said is that it, it's interesting because uh, as he points out, you know, the there is a certain level of, of necessary skepticism among even exorcists uh, for the, you know, the church, as, as he pointed out. So, uh, you know, they – you know, they are well aware that there are many uh, symptoms that can mimic demonic possession. Um, I would argue that they're all things that mimic demonic possession, but they, they, they it's, it's not lost on them that that there are many things, epilepsy, uh, you know, dissociative disorders and, and so on. Um, and uh, I was thinking just uh, there was a there was a miracle um, a, a weeping statue that happened uh, here in New Mexico in, in Hobbs, which is in the sort of the the uh, southeast corner of the state. I think it was it's been about two years now, um, and unfortunately, by the time I heard the news, it, it had stopped. It was a statue. I think it was of of, of Mary that was crying. Um, and unfortunately, by the time that I had heard about it, I, I couldn't drive down to Hobbs to go investigate. But um, it turned out to be, as I recall, it was a, 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 a an oil, and they sent a, a, a you know investigator. Um, and oftentimes, what happens is the inve- the uh, investigator comes out and uh, you know oh because of course it makes national news like oh there's a you know statue of Jesus weeping something or there's a you know a, a, you know a coffee stain that looks like uh, Jesus or something. Um, but usually, what happens is that the the investigations just sort of fade away. They don't. They don't. They never come to any real conclusion. I don't. I don't want to say never, but you. In most cases, it's like the the last thing you read on the news story is, um, yes, a uh, investigator was coming to look at it, and then dot dot dot, and then you know five years <laughs> later. So what happened to that? Oh yeah. So um, <laughs> that's another interesting term too. You'll hear an investigator, and I'm like, can I have credentials with that? Right. Because some people, you know, they've read a few books and now they're investigators like like, you know, what's the education, what's the schooling, what's your expertise and so forth. You know, exactly. I recall that this could be one of those things that turns out to be a hoax or whatever, because it kind of ties in with this. There was some kind of a statue a little while ago that was weeping tears or something like that, or it was something of religious significance. And people were going up and actually drinking these tears or whatever. It turned out it had something to do with a bad septic pipe that was leaking or something like that. It does either. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. know the case you're talking about. Yeah, it was actually in India. It was about probably maybe eight or ten years ago. Uh, and yeah, there was a there were, uh, for a sort of 
weird and mystical as India is, there are a handful of really good, uh, highly qualified, skeptical uh, investigators there. And uh, and I'm I'm just I'm just giving you the the story as I remember at the top of my head. But basically, yeah, there was there was a, a statue and it was uh, it was weeping, and um, and uh, it, it turned out uh, a skeptical um, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but uh, he went and. Um, uh, and investigated, and it turned out that that yeah, there was basically it was a it was a wicking effect, where um, the I think it was a stone. Um, uh, stone or concrete, uh, and it was wicking. Um, a, a, there was a sewage pipe that was running behind it, and it was actually coming out and it was making people sick. Um, and uh, the the rejoinder to this was that after this, what we're just talking about was exposed by the the skeptical investigator. He was uh, roundly criticized and hounded out. There, there, nobody appreciated it. Uh, he was. He was uh, vilified, and I think he—I don't, I don't remember all the details—but I mean, he—he he was harassed, uh, if not um, attacked, for uh, even though he had proven that he was right, and he—he—he could have literally saved people's lives because they were drinking what they thought was this miracle tears that turned out to be sewage. Uh, he was criticized, and you know he, uh, another example of a, a skeptical investigator being demonized instead of heroized. Well, that's that's the problem with like people like us and so forth. Is once you actually find a mundane answer, you've killed the dream, you've killed a, a genuine paranormal mystery of some sort. I remember, I think it was Phil Class regarding UFOs had been talking to somebody. Uh, and then this other person, uh, Bob Schaefer and, and mm-hmm. him were talking and Bob was saying something about his book, his UFO book. Uh, and like, you know, how's it going to do? And he said something like, well, I mean, if you're going to sort of like piss on somebody's dream, you're not going to do very well. If you really want to make money with UFOs, you got to act like there's a great mystery and that there's aliens flying around. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you actually come up with a mundane explanation, they're like, ah, boring. And, and they don't care. See, I'll even take that a step further where if he, if somebody has a sighting or something like that, it's not enough to be like, well, what did you see? Well, I saw lights fly out in the sky. They flew over my car, blah, blah. And what else happened? Well, that was it. That, right. Yeah. Well, that's the story. That's the end of it. So you can't just have that. You have to have the stories that people want to pay attention to where I, w- I was teleported. I was given the secrets of the universe. And right. you'll notice with a lot of these stories, like uh, Rendlesham is one of the ones that I go to, like Rendlesham. Oh, yeah. That story just keeps evolving and evolving and evolving because mm-hmm. these people go on these circuits and the only way they stay relevant is to keep adding to the story. Right. You know, and nobody because after a certain well, we've heard that story, you know, well, OK, well, I got to keep doing the book tour. I can get so now. Well, mm-hmm. well, yes, we saw a UFO, but they also I didn't talk about this before, but they also downloaded knowledge into my head. Well, what was the knowledge? It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing with like a haunted house a family that goes on a book tour mm-hmm. uh, right. they'll start adding details to that because it keeps them relevant yeah well, roswell roswell's another person oh god roswell is the king of them yeah but roswell they can't really do you know, what, bo- what more can you do with roswell it's it's it's, it's a dead horse. No, but the point is over the decades, over the decades since Stanton Friedman popularized it. Um, yeah, yeah Berlitz. I mean, you know, right. that, they, right. I mean, keep in mind that, that nobody thought Roswell was a mystery for, for decades. I mean, it happened in 47. Nobody mm-hmm. talked about UFOs or bodies. It was, it was a non-event until basically the, the 70s and 80s when people rehashed it and added to the story and then dug up long-lost, uh, mostly right. anonymous witnesses and rehashed it that way. 
Yeah, Ro, exactly. at this point, Roswell's kind of a dead horse, but from uh, late 70s till, oh, I don't know, probably late 90s for that 20-some year period. Yeah, Roswell, every year was new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. And then we had the alien autopsy, and yeah. Yeah, it's like Rendlesham. It's like the initial story was cool and it's neat, and it, that's it. That's the story. And it, 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 it bums me out because when people start doing that, it's like there's no need to – there's no need to embellish the story. It's already a cool story. It's also it's already a cool little neat piece of history, and whether or not it's going to be resolved doesn't matter to, so much anymore. And when people right. when they, when they come back and start doing that, it's like, well, now you've ruined it because now you've changed the story, and it's obvious that you're changing the story. You know, it's like you should have just left it alone. <laughs> yeah. The, on the other hand, I'm I'm rather impressed with the people over decades who don't change their story. Like Bob Lazar comes to mind. Yeah, the same here. I'm more inclined to listen to that. It's like, all right, well, you, you could keep going because you have the audience to yeah. follow you. You could keep yeah. doing it. Like, nah, that's my story. That's it. That's Yeah, it doesn't mean it's true. It's just it's amazing you didn't fall into that temptation. Yeah. Some people, well, you know, they yeah, don't like, want to be any, any more exposure. Last time I saw Travis Walton, he was still <laughs> – he was still flogging that one. So like, yeah, and but he but he doesn't seem to embellish very much. Like he's not adding to it. He's not suddenly saying, "Oh, I remember you know visiting planets and civilizations." <laughs> it's, that's why I don't want to interview him really because it's like, well, you've said everything that you possibly can say, and when people try to pour more stuff out of him, he's like, "No, that's that's it. That's what happened. That's mm-hmm. that's it." You know, if you want to mm-hmm. ask me some new questions, I'll see if I can answer them for you. But after a certain point, it's like, all right, well, you know, okay, well, you right. got that, so. You know, but it's it's yeah. the other people that come along and, and start embellishing and adding to the story. It's like, all right, now, if you had any credibility, it's completely gone now. But mm-hmm. since we are on the topic of people that have sent you emails and stuff, I need to tuck my uh, toe back into this a little bit. So you cover a topic in the new book, and I'm kind of curious as to why you went into the realm of silliness that you did. I'm pretty sure you just did it for a good time and some fun. But apparently Elvis Presley was in Home Alone. yes yes that was (laughs) there's there's actually a fun story there so um, i want to hear it (laughs) yeah so uh yeah i think maybe three or four years ago i got an email from uh from a guy and he's like um he says, yeah, you know, uh, I've been, he says, I've been trying to debunk this for, for years. And uh, he says, you know, I, I, it's pretty clear to me that Elvis was in Home Alone. And I'm thinking. Now, to be clear, we are saying Home Alone, not Home, home. Alone, the porn spoof of it, I'm sure. I Although didn't know that, that I would watch that, uh, frankly. If, if, <laughs> if Elvis is in it, you would watch I'm, it. I'm not gay, but I would be curious. I'll be honest with you. Wow! Did we? Okay, keep going. We'll just we'll just glide over that one. Keep going. Uh, so this is why uh, so you come on my show. That's exactly. I, I just I just uncensored, unfiltered, and it is what it is. So this guy, he says, uh, he says, well, it should be easy to prove whether it was him or not, but I can't find the name of the extra, and so um, and he hadn't found any, any anything that really debunked this. So I started co- this correspondence with this guy, and apparently he is – I think he's like Hollywood adjacent. Uh, I mean, he's not like an actor, director, but he apparently apparently in, in some, you know, some tangential to Hollywood productions. And, and part of that sort of fed into his, his belief because he's you know, in those circles and sort of it's – sort, everyone sort of knows with a wink and a nudge. Um, and so 
I, you know, I, I, so I, I honestly, I hadn't heard this before. I mean, I, I, I researched, uh, obviously urban legends and conspiracy theories and I did a little bit on Elvis, um, including for example, why his name is allegedly misspelled on his tombstone. It's not anyway. Um, and so I, I hadn't heard this one before digging into it. And of course you get in the rabbit hole of, you know, YouTube videos, authoritative YouTube videos. Gosh. And sure enough, uh, so I'm looking, I'm digging into this a little bit, and sure enough, there's a, there's this scene um, uh, in in Home Alone. It's, it's there's a couple frames where um, it, there's somebody that's a bearded fellow um, in the in the in the middle background uh, that doesn't really look like Elvis to me, but I mean, whatever. Um, and so I, I was like, well, so again, I didn't. I didn't know anything about it, and I so I, I was trying to I was trying to get more information from him as to why why he thought that that was Elvis. I mean, again, it doesn't really look like Elvis. I mean, he's like, well, so anyway, I, I was trying to I was trying to get more information from him as to like, okay, well, give me some context here. Why why would you think this is plausible? And uh, I said, you know, for example, why why would just on the face of it, right? It's like uh, as far as we know, Elvis died. So if he if he really is alive and he's trying to keep the fact that he's alive hidden, why is he appearing in the near background in Home Alone? Just work with me. Explain this to me. <laughs> That's what I'm reading this and I'm like, Ben, why did you cover this? This this has to be yeah. a tongue in cheek thing in here. Yeah, maybe, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, um, but 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 look, this this is a common thread with conspiracy beliefs, right? This is why, for example, uh, the conspiracy of the at the Denver airport. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about that story, oh, but yeah. you know, there. Yeah, you, you guys. To be know, fair, so, that is a creepy airport, though. I can see yeah, why somebody would see that stuff and be like, "What's going on here?" Because yep. I'm not in that crowd, but I've been to that airport. I've seen the structures. I've seen the stuff, and it, it is pretty wild to look at. Oh, it's it's well, it's a wild, it's a wild story. But the the specific part that I'm referring to is that there are there's there's one particular mural in the airport that is said to lay all of it out if you just know what to look for, right? And so this is a common theme among among uh, conspiracy believers, uh, whether it's uh, false flag shooters, uh, impersonation actors, things like that. A lot of times. In their belief system about the conspiracy, they say, well, if you, you know, it's all right. It's, it's you know, they gave us the information. It's like the um, the, the Paul is dead story, right? The Paul McCartney had died and mm. allegedly like, well, it, it's right there. If you, if you look at, you know, if you look at the uh, these 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 Beatle covers, there's, you know, they're telling us that he's dead. So I'm like, well, it's this big secret. But according to you, they're putting these these symbols that only you're smart enough to figure out or other people are. So my point here is that. Uh, that and that was the case with the, with the Denver airport. Is allegedly, if you look at the different symbols, it all it, it lays out the whole thing for you. And so that's that was part of why I was getting back to this guy and then saying, okay, well, why why in the world would Elvis <laughs> be hiding in a in a blockbuster film? Um, anyway, so I I went back and forth with him and and, and I didn't a- I wasn't actually able to solve that part of the story. So I basically just went back and and I wasn't trying to duck it. I just I just I didn't have time to do a deeper dive and and really this he the, the guy who was making this claim wasn't giving me satisfactory answers. I was giving him logical, plausible, skeptical responses 
to his to his statements and he was sort of like well so i was like okay whatever so the so the upshot is that i mentioned this on my podcast uh squaring the strange um and i called out uh, a, a friend of my investigator kenny biddle um and i was like hey maybe kenny can solve this well just just to show me up within like a week or two he's like yeah solved it <laughs> uh, dude so so Kenny credit to Kenny so Kenny tracked down um and I want to be very clear about this I probably could have done this but I didn't mm. um I, I don't blame you <laughs> all, all no I, I I take nothing away from Kenny uh he the the fact is that he did it and so anyway he tracked down the the actual actor's name and his name is Gary Grott G-R-O-T-T and he he contacted the Grot family, and they confirmed that yes, that that is in fact him uh, in the background. So um, so so that was that's how that all came about. So it was a case of where, you know, I wouldn't normally have done too d- d- a big a dive into it just because you know Elvis and Homeland really, but I wanted it was it was an, it was just tantalizing enough that I thought it was wor- worthwhile to sort of review the correspondence so that people could. Could could read what it was being put to me and read my responses back, um, and sort of see uh, uh, how how a skeptic would would uh, would inquire about the case. Well, that case, the the Elvis and Home Alone, is actually part of a bigger picture of the Elvis never died, and he's still around. Um, yes. One of my favorite one of my favorite books. I, I don't know if it's still in print. According to Amazon, it looks like it is. By Ted Harrison, published in 1993. It's called. Elvis people, the cult of the king, and it compares the rise of Elvis Presley sightings with the early Christian church and how like uh, impersonate. Yeah, yeah. It's called Elvis people by Ted Harrison. And it talks about like the impersonators, the ones that are singing and they dress like Elvis. Those are like the new priests. Uh, He interviews a number of people that pray through Elvis to talk to God as Christians. Oh, yeah. Yes, I've heard about this. I've been fascinated. I've been wanting to interview these people. Um, Because I've heard stories of people having um, like shrines with velvet Elvis paintings, the devotional candles. Um, yes, the whole Christians shot. will go to Jerusalem or something like that, or Israel. Uh, a lot of Elvis people that go down to Graceland. Uh, and and they, you're right, they create shrines. Yeah, the Elvis people by Ted Harrison. Like, if you're interested in any of this, or even just religion and how religion can be founded on a charismatic character, I can't recommend it any higher. You could probably even read it in one evening. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I need to find that. <laughs> so. Yep. I'm going to put you on the spot, Ben, and if and if you you know I can I can edit out of the show and junk, of course. Um, what is what is the craziest email correspondence kind of thing like you've gotten like this? Is is the Home Alone one the craziest one you've gotten? Or oh no 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 this is the the, <laughs> the no no the the Elvis and Home Alone on the scale of of weird wild unhinged stuff. That's a two. Um, on a scale of one to ten, take us on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so where do we go with this? Um, so, you know, again, it's a case of where just the, the nature of what I do is obviously, you know, I'm known for investigating weird things, um, and so that ends up, of course, you know, 
you know, people, people see me on TV, they see something I wrote, whatever else, and they, their rudimentary internet skills find my website and therefore they can email me. And, you know, I probably, so there's a couple different categories. Um, one category in on the weirdness scale is probably about a about a three. Um, are the the dead dogs? So uh, as you as you as both of you know, I, I wrote a book on the chupacabra. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're gonna get to uh, that. Yes. So the uh, so w- uh, one of the results of that is that I'm sort of known as the guy to send mangy dog photos to. <laughs> uh, so if you're if you're cruising along a highway in Arizona or Texas or Utah and you see a mangy dog, well, better take a photo and send that to Ben. Um, so, and you're like, could this be a chupacabra? And you're just like, uh, no, not really. It does so. So the, there's the mangy dog photos. Um, and I always sort of feel badly because, you know, they're the poor sick animals. And so I, I, again, I try to politely explain, well, it's it's probably a, a sarcoptic mange, and I explain a little bit about it. But again, I I can't spend twenty minutes replying to each one. Um, probably probably one of the weirdest ones I got was a guy uh, who had contacted me, uh, wanting me to investigate the extraterrestrials in his mucus. Oh, Wait, what? Whoa! <laughs> I need more information, please. <laughs> <laughs> Details. So. Yeah, uh, this was, I want to say maybe three or four years ago. Um, and so I get an email again, just rando, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, um, uh, I don't mean to, uh, you know, uh, don't interrupt you, but I'm wondering if you can help me out. Um, I believe that I have aliens in my, in my, in my mucus. And so he sends me um, photographs of his snot. Uh, that are really highly detailed. I mean, the, I don't know what kind of camera he's using. I was really kind of impressed. <laughs> that, so he, he sent me, I don't know, six or seven photos um, of what he believed were what he called anomalies in his mucus. Um, and he's like, so do you want me to send you a sample? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm good. Absolutely not. You know what? I I have all the information I have right here. That's I'm, yeah. You know we're all good. So uh, he and I was like, oh, is this guy putting me on? And like I usually I I think I can tell pretty well. Again, uh, you know, there's the cranks and this and that and the trolls. But for the most part, as I mentioned, people are they're sincere. And so I, I it pretty quickly became clear, partly just because of, of the amount of time he spent writing back. We corresponded for probably two weeks or something. Wow. And each time he's he's uh, I'm like, well, you know, why do you uh, why do you think that there's and he's like, well, I have these weird thoughts. And I'm like, mm. OK, well, I'm not. Why? Why are you associating any weird thoughts you might have with? Aliens, you you think might be in your in your snot, and he's like, "Well, the color out of space." <laughs> oh, so well done. Uh, so well done. You know, and and again, I'm trying to be diplomatic with the guy because he's clear, and and I, part of me is just like, "Well, just blow your nose, dude. Save us all some trouble here." I mean, I don't. This is this is you 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 may have repelled an alien invasion with Kleenex. And you so I salute you, my friend. That's the um, next Super Bowl commercial for Kleenex. Right, right. So, um, 
So, so that there was there was that guy, and again, I was trying to be diplomatic with him, and I'm finally like, uh, and 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 finally, I said, well, I said again, I'm I, I'm I don't. It's not clear to me why you're thinking that this is there anything unusual about this. I said, I said, you know, I said, and again, I'm trying to think of science-based critical thinking ways to help him get to the answer, right? So I'm like, well. You know, why don't you consult a doctor um, or a pathologist? I mean, if if it really is true that whatever you're seeing in your snot, like spaceships, bot, I don't know, I don't know what the hell you're seeing is the snot. Really, super small ones, of course. If it really is true, then you should be able to distinguish that from you know ordinary photos of mucus or else. So I tried to sort of steer him uh, towards some pathologist. I'm sure, I'm sure whoever that pathologist was hates me to this day. <laughs> but Dear Ben, I, lose my email. You dick. Yeah, right, Bye. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you another, another email. And I actually just got this about um, uh, just several weeks ago. And I happen to have it right in front of me. And I will I will read it to you because uh, this is this is around like an eight on the weirdness scale, and it, it's only a couple lines. So um, uh, let's see here. Uh, this is okay. <clears throat> this is from a a person named Juice City, if that's his real name. <laughs> hey, how are you? I'm just a regular guy, but have an interest in and about Bermuda Triangle. My name is Tyfy T Y F Y. I live in Florida. This is lowercase. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call out all the misspellings. I'll just. I'll let you uh, assume cool. that. And I have an idea that will give further information on how the Bermuda Triangle works. I have something in my head that can get inside and possibly through the triangle, and will show and tell so much more about what really happens when boats go inside and where they end up. If there are portals, then my idea will get knowledge as far as I hope possible, and also I have an idea to get closer to a real mermaid. If one frequents a spot, uh, it comes up. I'm not the smartest. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not, <clears throat> not the smartest, but I know what can be done in these two areas of myths. Questions. How did underwater cities come about? Well, I would think mermaids live maybe as people before our time, and maybe they communicated. But if the, merma- if the mermaids drew on the un- underwater city then maybe they are smarter. So if mermaids communicated with humans, then we can get closer instead of somebody throwing a rock. I know what happened to this guy. I know what happened. The History Channel gave him a television show, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Or was it Discovery Channel? Which one is it? Oh, no, it it, it gets – here's the the creme de la creme. um, Oh, it gets better. (laughs) We're not even at peak weirdness yet. There's a picture on my wall of what they offered the mermaids – if one frequents a spot, then why not leave something it likes and it only sees you and knows it came from you? Maybe you can put a tracker in the food and find out where they go. YouTube shows real mermaids. There's his problem right there. And people, how to catch one or find one, leave more food and see what it like. You already know it's coming to that spot to sunbath. <laughs> I, I, Could you reread that again, please, sir? (laughs) I had to read it twice just to figure out what the hell he was talking about. I still don't know what he's talking about. You know what's fascinating is so many people will tell me, Eric, you generally don't believe any of this stuff. Why do you read nonfiction as opposed to fiction? I'm like, because fiction can't compete with this. It just can't. Does this guy really believe this? Did you follow up on this one? Um, I... 
Uh, I did follow up. Um, I it was a little tongue in cheek. I, I did say, "Dear Mr. City." Uh, <laughs> so he may have gotten my sarcasm from that. I I will admit. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, I, we shouldn't be laughing. This could be mental illness that we're laughing at. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, come on, you're putting track. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm, we're on the journey, so go yeah, ahead. So, so I said, okay. Um, so I tried to give a sort of diplomatic, innocuous, sort of like encourage you to tell me a little bit more, but don't, you know, don't send me a 15 page. Uh, and I can talk some about the cranks. I mean, I didn't even. This isn't even a crank. I can I can tell you about the cranks, but so I basically said, you know, um, those are interesting ideas. Um, uh, do you? Where, how do I phrase it? You know, how how might we find out if they're true or not? Question mark. I am interested in your theories and like would like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Best Get more information. Oh man. Yeah. No. Ro has a point. Uh, sometimes you read that stuff and you're like, okay, either they're pulling my leg. Mm-hmm. Or they really believe it, and if they really believe it, how much help does this person need? Or like how? Like yeah, is it a true psychological problem here? Well, again, you know, if, if unlike Chelsea, who I mentioned earlier, who believes that she was cursed, I mean, he was he wasn't offering. I mean, he may or may not have been unbalanced. I mean, again, I'm I'm trying not to I'm trying to you know, but but uh, you know, in her case, she was clearly troubled by it, and she explicitly said that. In his case, it was sort of more a matter of. Hey, I may or may not be stoned, but I had this idea about mermaids and I saw YouTube videos. So it was, in other words, it wasn't, I mean, there may have been a subtext of a plea for help, but like ostensibly yeah. it was like, hey, I got some cool <laughs> information about mermaids and mirror triangle you should have. It, yeah, I figured it out and I figured I'd pass it on to you tonight. And, and of course, yeah. the, the corollary to that are the emails I get, um, I would say every six or seven months from somebody who uh, who read uh, something that someone wrote about my Chupacabra book. Uh, they haven't read my book, just to be crystal clear. Uh, they've read something that somebody else said about it, and I'm totally wrong. And uh, clearly, if I would just watch a YouTube video, I would understand how wrong I am in my five years of research into the uh, into the mystery. So I'm just going to be blunt here, um, since we're going to the realm of Chupacabra. Why do you have such a hard-on for investigating the Chupacabra? Because this is something that you just continuously go back to again and again and again. Whereas with most of your topics, they're kind of one and done. You've researched it, you've written a book on it, and that's like, I don't don't see you writing another bad clowns book unless it's maybe about the whole, you know, clowndemic that happened after your last book. Right. But Chupacabra, you just, like, even in this book, you go back to Chupacabra again. What what is the... um, I mean, like some people are fascinated with Bigfoot. Some people are fascinated with aliens. Is is just Chupacabra? Is that your thing? Is that is, is that what does it for you? Or boy, that sounds that um, sounds really wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> we get into furry territory here. Um, no, no, it, it's it's a fair question, and the answer there's a couple answers. One is that um, you know I did spend five years re- researching the book. Uh, my book, I might modestly say, is widely regarded as sort of the definitive book on it. I mean, there are other... It, it, it pretty much is. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. It's very thorough, and you you cover everything, which is another reason, like, okay, you've covered all this pretty extensively. Right. Why do you go back again? Yeah, I mean, and, and part of the answer is that there are new... Part of it, it's, it, honestly, it's my own personal curiosity. I mean, I'm... 
um, you know, somebody says there's, a, you know, some photograph of some chupacabra in the 1950s. Um, and if that's true, then that means I got part of my book wrong. Um, and so, so I, and I want to be right. So if, if I'm wrong about one of my investigations or I'm wrong about curses or chupacabra, Bigfoot, whatever it is, then I want to know that. And I want to fix it. And I want to real, I want, I want to figure out why did I get it wrong? Why did I come to the wrong conclusion? And so, um, so if somebody sends me some apparently legitimate uh, information that would that would I mean not some sort of minor mistake on page thirty eight but something substantive. Um, I wanted I'm like this is interesting. Thank you for saying it to me. Let me let me dig into it because I want to be right about it. I want I I've I've spent so much time on it that I want to sort of have crossed all my T's and dotted on my eyes. Um, and so that's that's one reason I sort of go back to a little bit. Uh, to be honest, I haven't done much on Chupacab recently. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's a couple examples in the book, but keep in mind that you know, in the book, I mean, that's a collection of articles over the past you know 15 years, and so it's not stuff that I've necessarily done recently. But it, but it, it's it's a fair question. So moving on, let's go back and talk about because the last time you were on here, you had just released Bad Clowns. And we had gone through the whole process of this last wave of clown sightings that had happened and the infatuation with the crazy clowns. And then within a couple of months, it all started up again and it just rewound itself. And you kind of became the go-to guy for crazy clown stuff. It was just such a weird, um, you know, thing of synchronicities all lining up. So, that had to be weird. Like what, how, cause I remember when it all started, I remember messaging going, see, see what, look what you did, look what you did, Ben, look what you caused. You know, you started <laughs> this all up again and it, it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, and like, we all got a good chuckle out of it, you know, but it was just, this was just a really crazy situation. And I can just imagine everybody in the media going, well, hmm, well, this guy just came out with a book on crazy clowns. How did that feel to be ground zero for clown demic two? It it was it was bizarre. I have to tell you. Um, yeah, I mean the the timeline, as you pointed out, was that uh, my bad clowns book came out, in, I think February, March, or something. Um, and then by October, in fact, it was right around October because it was tied with Halloween. All of a sudden, you had these evil clown sightings that started, uh, as as I recall, in around Atlanta. Uh, in those areas and then sort of North Carolina and then sort of spread. And soon it was just, you know, there were there were schools that were on clown lockdown. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> it was it was insane. And so um, it was it the gathering I, of the juggalos to the 10th power. <laughs> well, and what was fascinating was that, you know, I'm watching this in real time. Like I'm you know, I, I did this again, this fairly definitive in-depth investigation to you know, into evil clowns but but I have a whole chapter on 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 phantom clowns as you know and and almost every day I would wake up to some new uh, some new story about it over the I mean not for, for I would say for maybe like two or three weeks and it was it was just strange to me because I'm like wow is this really happening so yeah I mean all so all of a sudden I'm getting you know, I'm being interviewed from Cape Town, South Africa, with from from Belgium, uh, from Paris. I mean, I'm I'm fielding calls from uh, all. So I remember very clearly I was I was at the dentist, um, and my my phone's burning up. 
<laughs> and and my and the dentist like, are you okay? It's like because I you know, I like you know like I got like uh, getting a filling, and you know I mean my cell phone can go two days without getting a call, and I just I'm just and he's like, did somebody die? I'm like, no, evil clowns. Yeah, how do you explain that to somebody on the outside who's not part of this? This realm of weirdness, how do you explain to them, yeah, I just came out with a book about evil clowns, and now clowns are starting to appear everywhere, and everybody's beginning were, to contact me. Were clowns appearing, was it mainly a, an American phenomenon, or was it going on worldwide? Well, it was. It, it began as, as a, uh, uh, and and basically, to answer your question, Rob, basically, that, that's what I tell people. Uh, and I try and say, well, I, I did this book on, on scary clowns, and uh, as I'm sure you've heard, they're everywhere, and so I got to take this call. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know what else. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> the Vatican. You don't understand when the Vatican calls about evil clowns, you take that call. Right. This is uh, uh, and, and actually, it, it's actually I have a I have a um, there. There's a phrase. There's a sort of in joke between a, a friend of mine, um, and so she'll uh, on more than one occasion. I'm going to say maybe a half dozen times. Um, I'll I'll make plans to meet her, and I'll be like, yeah. And so I will text her, and I'll be like, running late, Bigfoot. <laughs> and 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 she knows, and it was sort of a joke at first, but I mean, I was being totally serious. I mean, it was like, there's some big. I'm finishing a Bigfoot story. I'm being interviewed by Ralphs, and so and so you know, so you know, every few months, you know, if I'm running late for some reason, like running late, fairies, <laughs> or you know, evil clowns, <laughs> and she just knows like. I'm I'm totally being totally serious. Like I I'm being delayed because I have to write about or talk about one of these weird shit things. Uh, to answer your question, Eric, it's like you're this weird superhero. You know, like <laughs> like your alter ego has got like you're you're like like weird man or something like that, like Batman or weird man exactly. or whatever. You know, I'll take that. You know, I, I got to call duty calls. There's there's a clown sighting in Bolivia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> da, 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 I need to put on theme music. Yeah. And then the Ben Mobile come like shoots out of a cave or something like that. Yeah, you know? I love it. I need to get Shriek back to do some uh, some theme music. Anyway, um, anyway, to answer your question, so Eric, what happened was that anyway, so here here's what happened. So again, my book came out in I don't know February, March, something like that, and and weird clowns, evil, scary clowns are blown up uh, between October and basically uh, early December. And it began um, with uh, some kids claiming that they saw an evil clown in some woods. And you almost had this Hansel and Gretel type thing. And I was interviewed, I think, for ABC News. And so I'm talking about this and explaining it. And uh, then then there were copycats. So you had um, you had people uh, in, in Wisconsin and Boston and North Carolina who were basically hearing about these these evil clown sightings. Um, and thinking, hey, I got a clown mask in the closet. Let me drive around to mm. park at night and scare somebody. So it's there was a great this way to get shot too. Oh yeah, this is the, you don't do that in Texas. That's uh, there are certain places. You know, <laughs> dead clown barbecue is uh, is that's uh, that's a thing out in the Texas Chainsaw area. But um, so, w- so that's what happened. So it was it was a really fascinating mix of of. A handful of, of of reports of clowns, and often again by by kids, and then there were copycats of those. So you had people who were who were saying, "Hey, this is you know, if I put on a clown costume and you know make a scary TikTok video, I can you know get our school shut down," which which actually happened. And then you also had people who were faking clown attacks. 
So I remember one one in particular. I, I wrote about several of them for for Skeptical Inquirer magazine. But one in particular, I remember there was a a woman that worked uh, for McDonald's <laughs> of all places, mm. and the reason that she the she was late for work, and the reason she gave was that uh, as she was leaving for work, uh, uh, you know, earlier on time, I'm sure, an evil clown jumped out at her. And she had to fight off the clown. She had to beat off a clown in her own driveway. Freezing. <laughs> Freezing. And after the clown was satisfied. Never... The five-year-old boy in me knows exactly what you just did there, Ro. Uh, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Come on, people. I'm serious. This is why you come on my show. Everybody in the skeptical community is now pissed at me for having you on here in this fashion right now. <laughs> Oh, I've been called worse. Anyway, so to wrap up that thought, uh, so this was happening over the course of uh, about a month and a half or so. And then what happened, again, getting back to the copycats, is that, uh, again, it's it's a snowball effect with the media, right? And so the media covers something. And unfortunately, there are similarities with, with, for example, school shootings. That's one of the reasons why one of the drivers of, of... of, of, of shootings is, is media coverage. And that's one reason why it's actually smarter for the news media to, to do less rather than over, overdoing the, the coverage on it. So you, there's lots of copycat things. I've written about that. You see the same thing with uh, self-immolations, uh, people who burn themselves. There's copycat effect there. Anyway, so what happened was that, um, that people in other countries, again, they're hearing about these scary clown things in the news, um, and so they're uh, so you know is happening in, in in the Netherlands and in England and in in France, um, and so anyway the the the, the wrap up to the story is that the the year following, I was actually in uh, I was invited to a, a folklore conference in Brussels, and um, uh, there was the one in Brussels and then there's the one in, in in San Antonio, Texas, and I met up with uh, the other the other sort of folklorist who'd written about evil clowns, a woman named uh, Aurora uh, Aurora Van de Winkle, and she's uh, she's Belgian, and uh, and it was just kind of funny that you know. Among all the folklorists, she and I were basically the the people that had written about scary clowns. Like, oh, this is cool. So we're chatting, and we ended up doing a, a, a talk together. I, I I think that you're secretly part of one of the Vatican's like special units that they send out. Like, I'm sure you get a phone call from the Pope, and it's like, Ben, this is the Pope. Greetings, Father. How are you, Ben? We've got clowns. Where do you need me? <laughs> We need you in Africa. I'm your man. Yeah, you know, and then that's your thing. Like you, you, that's your secret thing. But you're like you just use your day job, jaunting around the world, investigating, you know, skeptical stuff. But what you're actually doing, like when you went to the Netherlands to investigate the lava field with the elves and then the freeway that was being shut down, you were actually yeah. secretly there to ferret out a group of undead clowns that had been, you know, roaming across the countryside at night, killing people or something like that. And that's that's actually what your actual real job, I believe, to be. Um, well, you know, everything else is just a cover story. My secret. Thank you. Eric, are you bringing this down for a future book idea? I'm sure you are. <clears throat> no, not at all. <laughs> but but I did write down, what was it you said? Something about clown barbecue? You said something. That would be a great name for a Texas punk band. I, well, I was thinking that exactly, clown barbecue, but it's going to be my next ska band. Oh, great. Yes, yes. I think there's actually a book called Bad Clown uh, uh, some clown barbecue. I don't know. Bad clown barbecue. Te- yeah. Texas. Yeah, I didn't Texas write it. Clown but... Barbecue. 
That's. Yeah. I was just thinking, right? If there's anywhere where where because Road mentioned you know getting shot in clown costume, yeah. Uh, anywhere where that's going to happen, it'll be it'll be in rural Texas. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that could actually effectively kill an undead cloud is the gun where you pull it and you pull the trigger and like the rubber duck flies out or something like that. <laughs> right. they're, they're immune to normal weapons um, for the most right. part. Or seltzer. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Seltzer holy water. Yeah. Maybe a rubber chicken. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got your like your clown slaying kit. You open up this case. You know, it's got the mark of the church on it, of course, but you open it up and there's all these various yeah. clown slaying paraphernalia on the inside of it. Um, I like it. So um, let's move on to one more thing. And I'm not really sure how where this discussion is going to go, but you've talked talk in your book about the whole UFO disclosure thing. For mm-hmm. years and years and years, I've been hearing about how disclosure is just around the corner and all of these movies and all these television shows are out here to prep us for this upcoming disclosure. And um, there was that Project Bluebeam project uh, thing at one time where it's all going to be holographic technology. It's going to be a false flag thing. But the UFOs are out there and they're just prepping everybody for it. And at any given time, this is going to be the year. It's always this is going to be the year. This is going to be the president. This is this is when we yeah. finally get disclosure that UFOs are going to come. And you kind of get this disclosure zombie virus effect where, you know, you hear like one guy talking about disclosure, then the next guy starts mumbling disclosure. Then the next thing you know, you've got 40,000 people all going disclosure, disclosure, <laughs> and nothing ever happens. Like this time around, there was the thing going for a little while where when Trump was president, that Trump Trump is going to release these UFO files about UFO disclosure. And I'm thinking if there was a president out there that if he did know anything, this would be the guy to do it, if only to keep the inertia going and to keep votes going into his favor. You know, sure. and plus he's in that realm of the conspiracy people. But it's just like, okay, people, give it a rest, man. You know, it's like even even if the government does know anything, they're obviously not going to release it, and it just needs to go away. It's 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 like the UFO people that tell the story and change the story to stay relevant in the limelight. It's like there's this subculture of UFO people that are the disclosure people that are always, like, just drilling into people's heads that disclosure is right around the corner and blah, 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 and nothing ever happens. And... This is another reason why UFO people don't want me around because I just kind of look at this and like, well, you've had a UFO experience. You should believe in this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I, I don't. I don't. Why am I here? Well, okay. Uh, do you need me here for comic relief? Sure. Let's, let's do that. You know, and disclosure just never happens. So, I mean, where do we go with this since you've written about it? Yeah. I mean, it, I, I remember, uh, I remember being uh, back when I was in Amherst, um, uh, Buffalo and, <laughs> Clowns. There you go. I, I had um, I was in the. Uh, they have a really nice uh, library uh, down in the basement, and uh, with you know all sorts of you know skeptical stuff and you know magic and humanist stuff. And I remember being down in the basement with uh, with Tim Binga, who's the librarian there, and he had, I think I think he had like the whole back catalog of of Fate magazine. And I was I happened to be down there one day. I was probably like not doing some work I should have been doing anyway. So I'm 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 flipping through uh, and I I picked up a copy of Fate from I think it was like 1953 or something because it's been published forever. And I happened to turn to a page and there was a big thing talking about how uh, a, a uh, an expert was saying that within ten years everybody will know about aliens. The it's all gonna it's all gonna come out and the the government is is finally gonna come clean about this, 
uh, and it, it's all right there. And then a couple pages later in, in, in Fate Magazine, there was an article on, on uh, psychic powers, and I think it was about uh, the, um, the Cold War um, psychic uh, arms race, you know, where the Russians and the Americans were each trying to uh, have the Project Stargate and trying to sort out they, – they believed – each of them believed the other one had some sort of psychic core that they were worried about. And in the context of this, it mentioned uh, very much like the UFOs that, you know, well, uh, even though you know, uh, psychic power isn't widely accepted today, scientists are the brink of this. And I turned to the cover like August 1953. Okay, well, mm. this is – and it, it really sort of – it gave me. I mean, I, I I hadn't really thought about it in that way before. Just just so clearly to go back and look at this vanishing horizon, right? This this you know, decades and decades and decades go by, and people are like, oh, evidence for Bigfoot's right around the corner. Oh, scientists are going to prove ghosts, and, and they're going to find the Bermuda Triangle, Noah's Ark, and and you know, psychic powers, and you know, UFOs, and it's and it never gets any better. Um, and it, it just, you know, when you sort of look at the the historical context of these claims, it's really sobering. Um, and as you mentioned, bro, it's, it's the the most of the people that I deal with, and I'm I'm, you, I'm sure you've had some experience, and probably you too as well, Eric, where people they don't have a, a good contextual understanding. They they think that. The ghost uh, ghost investigation has only been around, you know, for as long as Ghost Hunter has been on the air. Mm-hmm. But they 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 don't they don't understand the because the, they haven't looked into it. They 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 don't think it's relevant to them. They're like, I'm looking for ghosts. I'm looking for Bigfoot. I'm looking for aliens, whatever else. And they're so focused on themselves and the TV shows and the culture, they don't take a uh, they don't take a st- step back to look at how long people have actually been looking for these things and. The fact that people have been claiming to be on the on the cusp, the verge of of proving these things, over and over and over and over again to get nothing. So, anyway, that's the that's a lengthy preamble to to to, to your question. So basically, what happened was that this guy had had asked me. Um, I was on, I was on a, a show with uh, with uh, called Star Talk Radio uh, with a friend of mine, astronomer. Uh, uh, and I had um, I had mentioned in the in the course of the interview, uh, <clears throat> Seth and I had talked about uh, as you mentioned the the idea that there's this you know global cover up of aliens, which uh, extraterrestrials and craft again this is all pretty common, but but and and I brought this up and so this guy wrote wrote to me and said well you know. Um, wouldn't it cause mass panic, right? Do you, what, hey, Mr. Skeptic, why don't you believe that uh, – why is it implausible to you that that not only the American government, but, of course, governments all around the world, because that's, that's what you have to have, are colluding to cover up, you know, to cover up things, and aren't they – wouldn't they be afraid of mass panic? And on a superficial level, it makes kind of a little bit of sense. Like, well, yeah, I mean, governments don't want people panicking. I mean, that's – Self-evident, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, do you want a populist who are content, or do you want people panicking? Well, you know, I'm going to go with the non-panicking. However, if you look at the the polls and surveys, you find that a lot of people already think that 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 um, that aliens exist and have, you know, like like I mentioned, are making crop circles, are abducting people, doing this and that and the other. And so, what that means is that they these 
these people would not be panicked at the idea that aliens are here because they already think they're here. They're they're cool. not panicking already. So they're all it would be like, oh yeah, see, I told you. I I've been telling you for years they're gonna right. And so I did a deeper dive into it, and that's one of the sections in the book, um, what you're what you're referring to, where I point out that it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's it, first of all, it would just the idea that you could have these intergenerational, decades long global cover ups, even among governments that hate each other. <laughs> You know, they're suddenly they're all agreeing to cover this stuff up and with the purpose of preventing mass panic. Well, people are panicking all over the place. So, I mean, there's riots in the streets. I, it, it didn't make any sense to me. See, I'm kind of torn on that one. Half of me agrees with you a lot and half of me is not sure because now I agree with the fact that we can't the government can't keep anything secret. Um and on top of that, it's like you said, you have governments that are competing and rivals with one another and things like that to where I don't know if something like that could be kept a secret in that way, shape or form. But then there's a part of me that's like, well, if this stuff does happen and if it, alien craft did crash and the government does have possession of it, would they keep their mouth shut not to keep panic from happening, but to use it for project developments and things like that? Give it out to private contractors so they can't get Freedom of Information Acts. I know I'm bordering on conspiracy here. I fully acknowledge that. But would they want to keep their mouth shut about that? And then I also look at human behavior. We can't even get along with ourselves. Like this last pandemic has proved so much about human nature, about people, how they react with one another, how they think with one another. Um, you even had it in the last presidency where this giant caravan of billions of, of, of South Americans is going to be coming, come to crash through the border. And there's this giant caravan that needs to be stopped. And of course, nothing right. ever became of that, but people were losing their shit over that. So I kind of wonder the concept of like, okay, now you add, because right now mankind, we think for the most part that we are the pinnacle of everything because we are all that we know. And nothing has come along yet and said, okay, we are a bigger fish in the pond. Because up to this point, we think we are, we think we are the pond, we think we are the fish. So now you add something else that comes along with superior technology or whatever it is. Um, and now everybody has to go, wait a minute, we're not, we're not the top of the food chain anymore, or we're not alone anymore. You know, we can't even get along with ourselves. The idea of something else coming along that's of other, that's outside of the planet, you know, you, I, there's the potential for people to lose their, to lose their minds and get really, really stupid. But ultimately, as I was saying before the beginning of the show, I think eventually people will just calm down and go on with their lives because it's like, okay, aliens exist. Great. I still have to make my house payment. You know, little Bobby wants his PlayStation 9. Um, I need a new cell phone. Um, I'm going through divorce. You know, it's like, great, there's aliens out there, but I've got immediate stuff going on right now. So you would have this craziness, but I think ultimately it would settle down. It's kind of like when they discovered the new world and all these different things. That changed things a lot at that time, but ultimately everything adjusted and moved on, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I I tend to think that you're right about the the latter part of that. I mean, you know, keep in mind that that over the years uh, there have been headlines, and I, I remember them. I saved a couple of them that are like, you know, water found, you know, uh, possible water found, you know, on, on Mars, and you know, possibly signals detected from outer space and things like. That. So there there have been tantalizing headline making pronouncement from scientists i'm not not talking tabloids i mean actual scientists that said you know hey guys you know there's there's a possibility of you know of life out there and the the answer the the response the public response was not oh my god i'm losing my shit it was like well, that's kind of cool let me let me it was like it, nobody was 
again, these are these are scientists that are actually giving legitimate information that that that, that ostensibly would be would be supporting the idea that life might be out there. And so that's the other that's the other sort of weird uh, paradox here, right? Is that on one hand, we're being told that that oh well, you know, scientists and governments they 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 know that life alien life exists and we're in contact with them and there's hiding bodies and this and that. So they don't want us to know that aliens exist. But at the same time, the next next headline on in, in New York Times is like, hey, Possible signal detected from extraterrestrials. Isn't this cool? Mm-hmm. It's like apparently they didn't get the memo. Interesting thing about the whole UFO disclosure movement is the belief that the government, mainly the United States government, some, somehow has these secrets. Like, why couldn't this thing have, um, like, like, who's to say the government knows more than the private sector? Like, every time I ask somebody this, I'm like, why? First of all, a lot of UFO people that do UFOlogy, the ones who believe, they believe they can't trust the government. But they're waiting for the government to reveal the answer. Like, yeah, yeah, that's another dichotomy about all this. And, like, every so often you get this cluster of new UFO information released and everybody gets all super excited about it. It's and happening I'm, right now. There's a number of videos right now. They're going on through Twitter. And God bless Mick West. He is doing his damnedest to actually find explanations for these things and he is getting hell i think mick is the new um i think he's the new phil class mick is <laughs> he's great just, he's he's phenomenal but and as stuff gets released mick. i'm always like yeah so what i mean this stuff gets released all the time and it never changes anything it, it, it's because you know as, as ben was talking about you know the history of the subject and it's got a very it's got decades of stuff uh, when it comes to ufo disclosure and people who believe it's around the corner as ben had mentioned it's always people who don't know the history it's always young not young as in chronologically in, the, in their age i'm talking somebody who's young to the topic Mm-hmm. I disagree. It's the first time they, they've read this stuff. I disagree because it's like I said, you have this subculture of UFO crowd. Again, I'm going to get hate mail for this because, again, I, here I am it's involved the best, in the paranormal. It's the best mail. But, um, <laughs> well, a lot of people in the paranormal really don't know what to deal with me because I'm, I'm somebody who does believe in a lot of this stuff, but I'm also not, I'm also not going into it with rose colored glasses. You know, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to call a spade a spade or call something out if I'm not sure about it. So people look at me and they're like, well, where do you stand on the fence on this? I'm like, I don't know. But again, mm. I'm not somebody who's out there trying to get to ascribe to get people to believe in this stuff. It's, it's the ability right. to say yeah, the I'm, ability to say I don't know is something everybody needs to learn how yeah, to do. And I'm not like I'm not here to prove or disprove that UFOs exist. Yeah. My opinions are my opinions, and I'm not going to try. Like I'm not going to try to change your guys's mind on aliens or extraterrestrials. Mm. You have your reasons for what you believe, and so forth and so on. Fine, whatever. That's not my, I don't feel that that's my job. So when a lot of these people on the outside, this is why I don't get invited onto a lot of these shows anymore, because when I get on there, they expect me to come on and be like, oh, yeah, he's really into UFOs and stuff. And then when I get on there and I'm right. like, I'm like, well, yes, just because I had these things happen to me doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm like, this is my particular thing. I don't know what happened and so forth. But they'll say, well, what about UFO disclosure? And I'll be like, well, what okay suppose the government does have information about ufos and they have had alien crashes and all these kinds of things even let's put aside the whole thing about okay america's going to panic if they find this information out if you have this technology and if you have this equipment why would you want to disclose that you have this stuff human nature is going to be like hey we need to keep this and develop this stuff so it gives us some kind of a leg up or something like that there's no just in that standpoint alone there's no reason to disclose it there 
But, so, but, but, but hold a second. So here's where I think that's here's implying where I think that we have this. the technology. I'm not saying we do. This is a if we did, this is what I think would be the situation. Mm-hmm. So, right. But but he, but, he, but, he, but he can thread the needle here. Right. Because yeah. you you could easily if 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 the American government, for example, has evidence of aliens and, and things like that and extra extra contact, there's no reason in the world why they couldn't admit that without divulging what technology they may or may not have gotten from the aliens. So you're not, you're not showing your hand to your enemies by saying, yeah, you're right. All this time we've been hiding it forever. Here's the truth. The truth is that, you know, that uh, since, uh, you know, 1993, we've been getting uh, in contact with uh, this, this uh, race of aliens somewhere across the galaxy. Uh, Now, you know, the truth. Well, at that point, then the government just looks silly, and we can't have that. How can, can we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, but but that's the thing is that the government. So many people are never satisfied with government programs and so forth, and yet for some reason they think when it comes to flying saucers, yeah. they are just really good. Like this is the one thing the government's good at, apparently. <laughs> yes, yeah. See, I, is keeping this thing secret. Finally, we found something they're good at. This is one of those reasons yeah. to go on that because it's such a slippery slope. It's mm. like, you know, where do we go on that topic? So, you know, it's. It, but I, I mean, on the whole, it's like disclosure is not coming. If if it is there, it's not coming. And all of the stuff that gets released, it's it's real. I mean, it's cool stuff. Well, these nowadays, are cool. And this stuff's getting released. Disclosure. But, Go ahead. Disclosure used to be uh, years ago when people talk about disclosure is going to be there's going to be this like maybe a press conference or something's going to happen. It was going to be, you know, this big event. Now they're talking about a like almost a trickle down disclosure. It's a slow moving thing where we're, we're releasing more alien movies where, we're, you know, we got the more videos coming out. Well, we that's got stupid. Two there's no Academy. need for do that. It's like Ben said, most of the people already believe this stuff is here. It's like, if you got the information, yeah. just throw it out right. there, you know? But what, they're, what they're arguing is every little new video that comes out is part of disclosure. That's their new argument now. Yeah, it's not going to be a press conference. Now it's just a slow roll of information. That's that's how they're seeing it now. Do you guys do you guys know about uh, Phil Class's curse? Yes, I do. I, I, I have quoted <laughs> it in every. Oh yeah, yeah. You're never going to know anything more about UFOs than yeah. you know today. And it's true on, uh, on his deathbed, right? And I'm, yeah, I, I met Phil, and he was a great guy, and he was sort of he was head and shoulders above anything I'll ever do. And I, I've always just thought that was so brilliant, right? In his in his last will and testament, he's like, mm-hmm. no matter how long you live, you will never know any more about UFOs than you know today. That's my whole attitude about paranormal in general, though. You know, it's yeah. It's, you know, everybody's got this new ghost box or everybody's got this new device and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you see this in all of the different paranormal communities. Bigfoot, there's always something new that this is what's going to prove it. This is what's going to prove it. And my mm-hmm. attitude is, is like, man, people have been doing this stuff for hundreds of years. We're never going to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting into this to try to prove to the world that this stuff exists, you're wasting your time. Now, if you're getting into it to prove to yourself or to teach yourself something, if you're in it for your own good and you're being responsible about what you're doing, that's a different story. Because I get people will be like, well, I want to get into the paranormal. What should I do? And I'm like, don't. Don't get into this. Don't. Don't. Stay away from this. And if actually, you do get into it, be very subjective. That's Absolutely. actually the last question that I wanted to ask Ben. 
but I'll save that to, for the end. Well, we're pretty much done anyways, I think, for the most okay. part. Oh, wait a minute. You know, I do want to go into the subliminal advertising thing real quickly. Um, okay. You cover in the book, you talk about subliminal advertising. You bring up the topic about the guy who says, I put these ads in there for popcorn, and all of a sudden the popcorn sales went up. And I've heard this story all my life. That's the one story when you said, oh, so back in blah, 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 1960, the guy did this, so it works. And then, you know, you see companies, I believe companies have tried this stuff, but you never really hear anything more about it or whatever. I know Congress was talked about it and all these different things. Now, the first thing that I go to in my head when I hear about all this stuff is the scene in Fight Club where Tyler Durden is inserting a certain scene into the movie for a millisecond. I believe it was a picture of a penis. Like the, like when a cigarette burn pops up in the screen, yes. And uh, right. I, my brain always goes to that scene. Fight Club is one of those movies that I always, in, in times of distress in my life or whatever, I usually end up watching that or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But I always go back to those two movies, um, which probably says actually, a lot. Actually, about me. and you find well, them comforting I, I, and soothing. I know. Actually, Roe, <laughs> yes, Roe. At our age, at our age, it's no longer Fight Club. That was twenty years ago. At our age, you should be watching American Beauty. I don't get the same. <laughs> be- because I don't get the same level type, of angstiness out of it that, that I do with self Fight destruction. Club. Yeah, I guess, but it's just not. It's just not this. I, I'm more of a Fight Club, Tyler Durden kind of guy. Oh, I get you. I get you. But, but we're um, in our. Well, anyhow, God. The uh, the um, subliminal advertising thing. Talk to me a little bit about this. What did you go? Why did you go into this? What did you find about it? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so you know, I had written about subliminal advertising um, before, both from a psychological perspective, because of course. At the end of the day, it's it's basically a psycho- psychology question, and also from media literacy perspective, because of course that's another one of my areas. And so that it was sort of an interesting convergence of the two. Um, and you know, the first time that I had heard, uh, I'd sort of really paid attention to subliminal advertising. I had a book. Um, uh, I was probably ten or twelve or something, and I think at a used bookstore, I saw a uh, a little paperback sort of mass market book called Subliminal. Seduction, and um, I remember very clearly had it was just it was a uh, subliminal seduction is by a guy named uh, uh, Wilson Brian Key, and it was on the cover was just a, a photograph of a um, uh, of an, uh, a, a, a a glass and ice and some liquid probably bourbon or uh, tea or something and uh and the the caption was you know do you see the hidden messages in this i'm like oh wow man that's ooh so i'm like oh I'll, okay let me read more so i i opened the book and this guy key is like he's like oh you know you don't realize it but you know in all these advertising you know it's everywhere and you see these uh, these photographs and this is the, i think the book was for like 1973 or 74 or something so obviously the 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 examples were dated but it was like you know here here's the advertising for you know shampoo here's advertising for beer and if you look carefully you can see you know that uh, if you if you look at this one part of the picture here, you can see this hidden figure that's you know, and it's usually something taboo, right? Because it's like naked women, skulls, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so and so again, as a teenager, I'm like, wow, this is number one, kind of alarming, um, kind kind of hot. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is kind of kinky. Um, and then, but then as, as I sort of grew up, I'm like, well, and I got, I grew up, you know, starting to do more psychology and I got to know more about, you know, pareidolia and how we see figures and things that aren't there, faces and clouds. 
you know, we, we talked about things like that. And so, uh, and, and of course, you know, we see this all the time. I see this all the time in, in ghost photos, right? I get, I get sent ghost photos all the time where someone's like, don't, if you, you know, here's this photo I took. I didn't, I wouldn't pay any attention to the time, but when I got home, I go into the photos and in the back of the ground, this one part of the photo, you can kind of see this, you know, doesn't this look like a ghost face? I'm like, no, not really. I mean, kind of not, you know, but they're convinced like, no, no, there's, you know, uh, I pro- there was nobody there at the time and, you know, nobody noticed it. And this is creeping me out. And there's clearly a, a, a ghostly hand or a face, whatever else. And so, again, sort of having more of that background now, it's, it's clear. But at the time, it was very compelling. Um, so that was really my first my first, you know, introduction to subliminal advertising claims uh, claim about it about it uh and then of course uh, as as eric mentioned there's there's uh, there's you know uh, frames in uh psycho uh, of course there's a thing of a couple frames in the exorcist where freed can put in uh, things like that so so you know there there is there is there is some validity to the idea of showing something at a, at a split second frame uh, that that is not that is sort of you know you're seeing it too quickly to to process it. But, but they there's only a say your brain sees it, you, your eyes see it, but you're you know you don't react to it, but it's there, it's programmed. I remember yeah. one of yeah. my uh, when I was in school, I had a, a very very right wing Christian teacher who was uh, the whole satanic panic thing, and he used to you know basically preach to us in class that uh, as kids we're we're having young impressionable minds and these messages are out there and we need to be aware of them. He was also one of those people that there's backwards messages and and rock wow. music and things like that. Um, so that was where it was drilled into my head. He'd be talking about um, that's why I said about the naked girl thing because he had brought up in class before where he was talking about some kind of an <clears throat> ad for bourbon and in the glass. In the ice cubes of the glass, there was a skull or something like that that yeah. had been airbrushed into it. And he yeah. brought that one up. So, yeah, you know about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was always like, well, you just because you don't see it doesn't mean your brain doesn't see it. And that's the same when you listen to this rock music. There's messages and they're like, you don't hear it, but your brain hears it. And it affects you on a, a subconscious level. And I'm kind of like, okay. All right. And even as I was a kid, I was thinking about this going, yeah, this is this sounds a little extreme. <laughs> so it's fear mongering, you know, I don't I feel it, like a it is. Yeah. I mean, and again, I mean, we, we could do a whole we could spend a whole hour on it. But just in, in a nutshell. Yeah. Basically, you know, if you talk to psychologists, they, they they'll tell you there's nothing there. It's uh, you know, again, it, it depends on what you mean by subliminal advertising. If you mean. Did you did you see something? Did you see you know a flash of a skull or a naked breast or whatever else? You may or may not have seen it, but first of all, if you've seen it, then it's not subliminal. Like by Ooh. definition, if you noticed it, then yeah. then you've noticed it. So it it would have to be something that is that is that is not noticed. Um, but there's no evidence at all that that there that see that being exposed to those sorts of things can influence people, you know, sort of turning them into zombies or, you know, buying Coke or doing any actions or whatever else. And you, you get into this sort of Manchurian candidate uh, theme of, you know, controlling people through hypnosis. And as it, anyway, I'll, I'll wrap it up. But it, as it turns out, uh, a lot of the a lot of the the story behind the so, supposed psycho the supposed scientific and psychological premises behind it was a hoax. It was a guy named um, a guy named Victor uh, Vickery, 
Um, and he was uh, this uh, James Vickery in, in 1957. Uh, he claimed that he had uh, put in subliminal messages to uh, to uh, to uh, during in, in the theater to buy popcorn and and Coke. And he claimed that after having done this, that uh, you know that he did this unsuspectingly, of course, to the to these crowds. And according to him, after he did that, sales of Coke skyrocketed, and people immediately rushed. To the, you know, stand to consume masses amounts of and anyway, so he put he put all this out there and in a, in a press release, um, and everybody like, oh my god, this is a, people freaked out about it. In fact, there were there were congressional hearings because people were keep in mind that the context here was this was the Cold War, right? This is the time nineteen fifties was when there was lots of concern about. Evil influences, and you know uh, whether comic books, and later on, as you mentioned, with with uh, with uh, back, backward masking and and you know images and Wonder Woman, <laughs> there's the yeah. whole thing, and 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 the Satanic Panic, and so there was lots of concern about what is the media doing to us, and it folded right into that. A leader turned out. Spoiler alert: that he lied. He made the whole thing up. He he it was not an experiment. Uh, he, he may or may not have tried to do it. It didn't result in this skyrocketing sales or anything else. It, the whole thing was bullshit. But meanwhile, it got lodged into people's minds, the collective mind and, and, and fear about the dangers of, of mass media. That's the, like the whole thing with anti-vaxxing. That guy that started all of that later, there was nothing to it. But the idea this this is why beliefs in my head in my mind are a bad thing. It's very you can have an idea. It's like the the scene in Dogma. It's okay to have an idea, but once you develop into a belief, or once you subscribe to something, then you kind of end up going along with all of those things that are, go along with it. Because once the idea and the once the belief is put out there and drilled into people's head, getting people away from that is very hard. You're seeing yeah. that going on right now with the QAnon thing. Like that's a great example of what happens. Of like once you put something, somebody, an idea into someone's head and pound that belief into them, it shapes them and getting people that no matter what you throw at them to try to change that, it's it's really hard to do. It's almost like a cult mentality kind of thing. And um, I get extremely frustrated by it, you know, and I, and I see it. It's like, how, how can how can people get wrapped up the, the way that they do with this stuff? You know, it's it's like the whole thing, like, uh, what's the one thing? Uh, people only use 10% of their brain or something like that. And it's right. actually 10% of their <laughs> intellect, but you can't... <laughs> You know, or there's the, there's even let's go into the realm of magic. You have the Aleister Crowley quote of uh, "Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law." That's only right. a part of that segment. There's there's a whole lot more to that, but people just gravitate to that, thinking that's what it is, and right. what it actually is is far it's something far different than that little piece right there. And it's like, okay, I just sit there and grit my teeth and go, okay, thank you, yes, yes, okay, you you're, you're superior, congratulations, yes. So anyway, yeah, I mean. I was just, I was just going to add. I mean that that's what in psychology we call an anchoring effect, where people tend to pay attention to and to believe the first bit of information they hear about a given topic. Mm -hmm. So even if you're seeing it now with the vaccines, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like if, if the first thing you hear is that vaccines are dangerous, or the first thing you hear is X, Y, or Z, even if it's followed. You know, an hour later, by equally powerful and even more powerful evidence to the contrary. You're more likely to believe the first one, mm -hmm. and and you get once somebody's locked into something like that, trying to get them out of that is very difficult. And I've reached the point in my life now where I just shrug and go, okay, and, and walk away. You know, for the most part, I just mm -hmm. don't have the patience to do it anymore. So, Eric, um, 
Uh, you had a question for Ben, and I'll, I'll close out with you asking the final question, I guess. Yeah, so uh, in 2015, I uh, went to the Center for Inquiry's Reason for Change conference in Buffalo, New York, and I had a chance to meet a bunch of people. I had a chance to go to that library you were talking about downstairs at the headquarters. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, um, I had a chance to meet Joe Nickel. And I was talking to him and I had him sign some of my books and so forth. And basically what I got around to was sort of like, if you want to do this kind of work, like Ben, like you do, you want to be the guy that people send emails to and a mystery solver and the paranormal and so forth. I, and so I'm, I'm asking him these questions. He goes, so basically you're asking me how to get my job. Mm-hmm. And so I'm asking you how, if somebody wanted to do what you do, what should they do? Like what are the steps they should take? Well, that, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I am sort of a hothouse flower in that um, I just happened to have sort of stumbled upon this kind of weird, uniqueish role in this nonprofit educational organization. You know, the Center for Inquiry uh, and formerly PSYCOP and CSI and all that. Um, and I, I just sort of, I mean, I didn't stumble upon it. I mean, there's, and I've talked some about, you know, how I got into skepticism and James Randi and this and that and Carl Sagan. Um, but I've sort of created this this odd little niche, and, and Joe as well. We have slightly different avenues. So um, in the case of Joe, I mean, Joe is the senior research fellow uh, at CSI, and he's been there for I was like uh, probably 25 years or so more. Mm. Uh, and he, the, and that, so that his job is research. So he, he basically, he, he only does research. So uh, he writes books, of course, and he has a column for skeptical Quarry magazine and so on. Um, so that's, that's, that is, that is what he does. Uh, my job specifically, um, and I apologize if this is getting sort of too in-house or technical, but I'm just answering your question. Mm-hmm. My job is is more uh, broad and spread out. So, for example, uh, part of my job is doing investigations, uh, as with Joe. And like Joe, I write books and do columns for SI and so on. But also we do media literacy, um, you know, when we can, we try and answer, you know, people's uh, responses and emails and this and that and, you know, do investigations So oftentimes on our own dime. And so that that's mm. that may be something a lot of people don't realize mm. is that uh, at the Center for Inquiry and, and and, you know, to their credit, they they have supported the investigations that Joe and I have done. Uh, you know, we've we've gotten time off work, sometimes on the clock and so on. But many of the investigations that both Joe and I have done, both together and separately, were done on our own time. You know, weekends, nights. Um, That's interesting. So basically, this has to be almost like a professional hobby. Like it's not a career move. Right. So this this that's okay. the other part. So that's the other part of what I do. So so strictly speaking, most of what I get paid for is editing. Mm. So uh, I, as 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 I mentioned, I am the deputy editor for Scott Conquire Science Magazine. So what that means is that I spend a good chunk of my day editing copy um, and working mm. with Ken Frazier, the editor, and Julia uh, Lavarnway and others. Uh, so it's it's editorial. It's, it's you know, it's paragraphs, it's typos, yeah. it's grammar, it's Chicago Manual style. It's it's changing people's words, um, you know, and, and so on. Uh, so so that that's that's the that's a, that's the sort of hidden not hidden but that's the part that's less obvious to people. Um, and so, so basically, if you want to do what you do, 
it's not really a career movie. It's sort of like a hobby. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm not trying to be evasive, but I'm just trying mm-hmm. to describe, you know, sort of, yeah. So, yeah, so strictly speaking, um, if somebody wants to replace me, um, and they're welcome to. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, more, more power to you. I mean, we, we need all the skeptics we can get. But again, for, for my for my specific role, um, again, I do magazine editing. I do online editing, uh, columns, articles, um, submissions. Uh, again, so so editorial is strictly speaking uh, half or more of of what I do. So how did this um, lead to your job with the Pope in the Vatican going out and being the zombie <laughs> clown killer that takes out, you know, the little fiesta that pulls up with 30 clowns coming at you rapidly? Well, that wasn't public knowledge until this episode. And uh, how you roll so with thank it. you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, this is the part of the show where I give you a chance to pimp out everything that you want to put out there, your show, your books. And by the way, how the fuck did you get Shriekback to write a song for you? I got into Shriekback mm, like in 1984, Knowledge, Power, Truth, and Sex. Um, yes. Or My Spine is the Baseline was another one I remember very well. And... And you got these guys to write a song for your podcast. How, I mean, that would be like Tool writing a, a song for me and my show. How, how what is the, are, did you save them from zombie clowns or something or? Um, so that's actually, so I, like you, I've been a Shriekback fan for a long time. Uh, my introduction was, was probably the most obvious one, which was their, their, their biggest hit, which is Nemesis, of course. Yeah. Um, and I remember actually, I was actually in, in, in Buffalo. Um, well, I'd heard about them before, but I, I remember being at a nightclub in, um, actually in Niagara Falls, uh, called Rumors. I don't know if it's there anymore, but, uh, I love eighties music and I, I make no apologies for that. And so I would go up to an eighties night, uh, and go dancing and, and this and that. And, and remember playing a Shreepak video. I'm like, Oh my God, that is so cool. <laughs> so anyway, I, I realized they were, they were still around this and that. So, um, I crowd, I, I helped crowdfund uh, one of their albums. Um, and so I think it was uh, two albums back and actually also the most current one. And so as part of the, the crowdfunding, as one of the bonuses you got, they would, they would, um, uh, they would write a song and, uh, and to your, to your title. And so I gave them a title and as I, I actually commissioned three songs from them. Um, and the, the one that we chose for my podcast, Squaring the Strange, uh, with Pasquale Romero and, and Celestia Ward, uh, it was actually, um, it, it was actually the, the song is about Mr. Punch, um, the, the, the <laughs> homicidal clown, oh uh, for my so bad clown. I'm right. You did call in a favor to, to make this work. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, so they, uh, we, so I, I got three, uh, I, I gave them a chunk of change to make their album because I love their music. And in return, I got three commissioned songs where I think there were two or three minutes. And it just so happened the one that we all thought best fit the podcast was um, what you hear on the show, which is, and which is why if you listen closely, you can hear this sort of weird, high screaming, wheezy pitch. And that's actually uh, Mr. Punch. Um, in the in the background. <laughs> so yeah, what what's this? You've got your new book out now, Big If True, yes. um, which yes. kind of reminds me of the Where's the Beef commercial from way back in Wendy's. Um, mm. uh, what was that woman's name that said that line? Clara Peller. Uh, yeah, Claire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got your podcast that you've got going now. Uh, you've had that one going for a couple of years now, I believe. Um, yeah, it's what's on the future what are you working on next 
So um, most re- mo- most uh, most recently, I actually just uh, completed uh, uh, submitted uh, my new book. Um, it, it it won't be out for a year, so I'm I'm kind of hesitant to <laughs> to pip it too much for because it won't even see the light of day until probably next March or something. But um, the the um, it, we're still working on the title, but the theme is uh, social boogeyman and the role mm. of fear in America and um, how. Uh, politicians and pundits and the news media sort of gin up fear of various people ranging from immigrants to uh, to stranger danger, uh, things like that, and sort of the roles in that. Uh, so that'll be out, um, again, probably early next year from McFarland. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Big If True. Um, and for Skeptical Inquirer magazine, um, I have a couple uh, a couple articles coming out uh, later this year. One of them is on the true on the true story behind the entity uh, film with uh, Barbara Hershey. Because uh, uh, for whatever reason, we I've, I've, I've no one's really covered it in the magazine before. I've written about the true story behind the Exorcist and Amityville and this and that, but uh, I hadn't really seen a really good skeptical deep dive into the entity. So we'll be doing that, and I also have a a article coming out fairly soon on the Stonehenge surprise, which is a Julia set uh, fractal crop circle, which appeared uh, 25 years ago. Um, this uh, in I think July, uh, across from Stonehenge, and it was considered to be one of the most impressive, um, best case uh, examples of crop circles in the world. And uh, I investigated it, and uh, I uh, found there's less than meets the eye. As is always all with I, you. All I can think of right now is the uh, the flyer for the concert that says uh, Stonehenge Surprise opening up for Texas Clown Barbecue, <laughs> and I would go see that. Yeah, without even ever hearing them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Ben, we're going to let you go. Thanks for coming on here and talking about this stuff. I really didn't have I had a real loose set of notes um, to go off of, but I wasn't super worried about it because every time you're on the show, I always manage to have these great, long, drawn out and, and very funny conversations. Uh, again, I hope I haven't pissed off anybody in the skeptical community because uh, I do I do think of you with much respect. I do, you know, I, I do really pay attention to what you put out there. And um, I just like to have you on here and, and just kind of let our hair down, even though me and you are both bald, um, you know, and just just have a good time and just shoot the shit and talk about this stuff. So it's, it's been a real pleasure talking to you again, as always. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Again, known you forever, and I always love doing your show, and I apologize if I sort of got rambly. Um, I, I love this stuff. I love talking to you guys, so uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, I love Yeah, it was ramble. nice. It was the first time I uh, had a chance to talk to you, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, good. Great show. All righty. Take care. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Maybe it was the ghost of an alien that worked for the government. You know, you remove the alien anal probe out of the story and it probably wasn't this guy's worst Saturday night. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Listen to Brent and John make sense of it all each week. By subscribing, find us on iTunes by searching Hysteria 51 or anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. 
So that is what happens when you have me over-caffeinated drinking Death Wish coffee right before recording of the show. About a quarter of the way in, it started kicking in, and I turned into an auctioneer on cocaine. But uh, anyways, it, it is well known that I have a disdain for the skeptical community. Um, I find a lot of those people to be very self-righteous, very arrogant, very rude, uh, very much holier than thou. You have uh, supposedly had a paranormal experience or you believe in these silly things that can't be proven by science, etc., so on. Neither one of these two guys have ever given me that kind of an attitude, both on and off the air. Both of them are friends of mine, and I enjoy hanging out and talking with both of them, both on and off the air. Um, both of them are very cool about coming on here, and both of them get the humor and the idea of what I'm trying to do on this show. So, plus when Ben comes on here, Ben's not coming on here to be the quote-unquote token skeptic. He's somebody that... Um, I just really enjoy talking to. He's a very cool person. So thank you guys both for coming on here and putting up with my insane rambling. <laughs> and thank you to the listeners as well if you made it through this show. Um, it was just a lot of fun talking to them. So moving on, I have stepped back from the show a little bit. A lot of it had to do with just life in general. And every once in a while, I like to step back from the show and really evaluate what am I doing? What am I talking about? Um, is it still interesting to me? If it's not interesting to me, where can I go with this? What can I talk about? What can I do? What other aspects or things that are out there? And as many people know, this is not just a paranormal show. As long as it's interesting and weird, I'll go into that direction. So I've been I'm trying to kind of figure out like where I'm going to go next and what things I'm going to cover, which we've done lately. We've covered the cemetery stuff and, you know, just odd and strange topics. The problem is, is since I've been doing it for this long now, um, I've covered a lot of stuff and I want to keep going, but it's like, where do I go? What do I cover? Usually what I'll do is I'll sit down, listen to a bunch of music, and it kind of puts me in a different headspace depending on what I'm listening to or what have you. And then I kind of get an idea. I'll take these drives and I'll do whatever to get things into my head. I did this last year when I drove down to Florida and back for bike week. Um, and, and I did this again this last week and I had to go down south and take care of some stuff down there. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of putting more guests together to come back on the show. I'm kind of in the paranormal wave again right now. We'll see where that lasts. You know, we'll see how long, what, what's going on with it. Um, next episode, I have Adam Gorightly coming back on the show. I have Gary Morgan coming back on from Bizarro Aficionado to help co-host it with me. I don't think he'll be as silly or weird as he was in the last episode for Biblical Jackass, which fit for that show. I'm also trying to get Joshua Cutchin back on the show because he's uh, since he's been on here, he's written a few other books, and I kind of want to see where he's at right now, his headspace-wise, in regards to the stuff he's covering, and just to catch up with him again. And, you know, I was always, I'm always putting shows together. I just don't think I'm going to be cranking out shows every single week now. I kind of like sitting back and taking things a little bit easier and, and digesting what I'm, I'm, you know, what I'm reading and, and what I'm thinking about and so forth. So you know, I have a lot of people have messaged me, are you fading? Are you getting out of podcasting? No, nah, I don't think so. I think I'm just taking a little bit more time with it and taking a little bit easier because I've been doing this for so long now. Plus, I also have the other podcast, which is Old Nerds Drinking. Even though I don't run that show, uh, my friend John runs it. Uh, it's a very different show than this, but it still takes time to go there and, and record and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So, 
you know, it's it, this is life. You know, this is the life of a podcaster. This is the life of a rock star, if you want to call it that. God, I hate being referred to that way. Anyways, um, I am rambling again, so I will shut up, and I will see all of you people again soon. This is Rojan from Detroit. Peace out. Talk to you again soon. Oh, wait, almost forgot. There's a little bit of bonus content after the music here. If you want to hang out and hear Ben talk a little bit more, um, I had the record button still going. I thought I turned it off, and Ben brought a couple of really cool, neat things up. So I'm going to throw them at the end of the music here if you want to hear a little bit more after this song's over. Peace, folks.
I, I just I love short films and uh, re- short docs and animation, whatever else. And I've, I've made a couple. And I was watching uh, the one of the film festivals, wherever the fuck it was, last week. And I had an idea for for making a, an uh, an animated short documentary film, probably five minutes or so. And um, remember, in my bad clowns book, I talk about Crotchy the clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am thinking about. I'm seriously thinking about making a short animated documentary about my experiences with Crotchy the Clown. Now, Crotchy, for those who don't know, he was the, – the Nebraska Supreme Court watched a masturbating clown. If that is not a premise for a fucking short documentary, <laughs> I don't know what is. God, I could envision a whole anime, just I a know, whole anime right? of, of you wow. being like this undead clown guy that goes out and like kills undead clowns. Like that's yes. your secret job. I could totally yes, envision it. Like you would have a briefcase full of clown, like undead clown killing paraphernalia. I could yeah. totally see like a, like a fiesta, like a, an old like Yugo pulling up, and like forty clowns just piling out of the car. And you'll have like the new recruit with you that you have to train. It'll be like a Men in Black situation. And, like they'll have the new guy, and you'll be like, "Oh crap, they got a Yugo." And the guy will be like, "So what's a Yugo? You don't you understand? Just stand behind me and follow what I do." And then the clowns will just start pouring out of the car like in droves, and you'll be there like like your rubber clown chicken gun just like yeah taking the clowns out and stuff like that. Seltzer, and it'll be done Seltzer. as a completely serious show, even though it's totally tongue in cheek and funny, but that's the absurdity of it. Like you'll, you'll get the phone call from the Pope saying, Ben, we've got clowns. Where do you need me? <laughs> South Africa. There'll be a private jet on the way. Then you got you know, then you look over at your girlfriend and you go, I got to go. It's clowns. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and then like, you'll be like, like, you'll have like the suitcase and stuff like that. And the suit and the bald head and the sun, the, the light will gleam off the ching, you know, like the anime. <laughs> sound i could totally see the whole thing you know and that'll yeah, be the whole series play me in the in the adaptation it'd be awesome yeah and you know we could have like like the harlequins all of the different clowns all of the different kinds of clowns will be represented and it'll yeah. be like um it'll it'll be like that show um with the, with the winchester brothers or something like that um yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> that that's the whole show will be it'll be like you on this quest to take out clowns and you'll secretly have a vengeance for them that's why you do it because at some point or another like a clown took out one of your parents or something like that and this is like yeah. the deep seated vengeance as to why you hate clowns well, i'm, I'm that, going with actually, this actually a- a clown taking out your parents is basically the Joker. 
Right, right. And you're making him Batman, bro. Kind of, yeah, yeah. That right. would kind of be That's it. Been done. But he would be he would be well funded. He would be well yeah, funded by twist, right, right. Yeah. Or so, it doesn't so, even so have to be the Vatican. It could be some secret, like secret elusive organization that nobody knows about that you get the phone call from, and they're the ones that support you. And like you'll find, like there'll be an episode where you'll finally be like, I can't do this anymore. I've, I've reached the end point. And they're like, Come on, Ben, you got to keep doing this. You know, you know what yeah. happens if you walk away. You know what this means. You know, and that'll be why you're training the new guy because you'll getting you're getting, you'll be getting like moving on and getting ready to retire and you have to bring the new guy in and he'll his backstory will be that he was abducted at a circus or something like that and, and he was mm-hmm. rescued and that you know oh yeah this is great I don't even need to be high to write this I'm just doing it it's great yeah be a, we could do a Hellboy crossover yeah. I love it yeah it's it'd like, be great it, it, it writes itself <laughs> You know, most people look out in the world and see clowns as funny creatures. Ben sees them a different way. You know, you know, like you're like puff on the cigarette and throw it down on the ground. You know, the cigarette will bounce across the ground. You know, you know. Yeah, I see the storyboard already. Yeah, but your your day job, your your secret identity is that you're actually a skeptical reporter. You know, being sent around the world to investigate these things. But in actuality, that's that's your cover story. You know, your actuality, you're you're the clown. You're the you're the undead clown killer. You know, I like it. Yeah, I, I like do it. too. Yeah, we can mm. totally all run over this. <laughs> all right, you guys, I'm going to let you go. You guys take care. I'll have right, this man. out in a couple all of right, weeks, gentlemen. man. Have a great night. Take care. All right, Cheers. take care. Bye-bye.